It's time to stop swinging at junk pitches and listen to the career bitches. Your resident career bitches. Your girl's Friday for advice, amazingly useful and amusing banter for anything and almost everything related to your career. They cut through the bullshit and all the workplace drama. Now give it up for these mamas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, welcome back to Career Bitches. Hi, Hi. (laughs) We always forget to say hi. I feel like we just jump right in. Hello. That's kind of how we roll. (laughs) How are you today? I'm good. It's nice and sunny today in Baltimore. So it's my garden is growing. I'm, I'm happy. That's good. It's sunny in Vilnius, but I kill all plants and flowers. So I do not have that. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's sunny. So that's all that matters. And as our guest today will tell you, who is actually from Lithuania, um, it is not always sunny here. So it is very nice, a nice change to have spring come and, and have the beautiful sunny weather. So our guest today, I want to introduce before we get to our weekly bitch, it is Ilma Tiki. And she is a serial entrepreneur, I think we can safely say, who (laughs) I actually met. It's funny because I'm in her home country and she's now living in my home country of the United States. So we're on opposite ends, but I will let her introduce herself. We're very excited to have you here with us today as an expert on remote work, hiring and working remotely. Yes. Welcome. Hey, everyone. So greetings from sunny New York. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about your background, Ilma, and, you know, what brought you there and what you're doing these days? Oh, I wonder how I can say that in short. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm in New York City because this is the place where my grandmother was born. And so I think even though I was, uh, I I was born in, in Soviet Union, I was brought up with uh, hearing stories about New York City. So I think it was always a dream of mine. So um, last year we sold some of our companies and it was a great occasion and excuse uh, to move in city, what to the city of my dreams and see what it's actually like. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm right now CEO of the remote company uh, and um, I'm building an app called My Zen Team. Uh, so our team has been working remotely for the last eight years. So I'm really about passionate about the topic and I'm really happy to discuss that with you today. Yay. That's exciting. Where are you in, uh, where are you staying in New York city? I lived there when I was in school. Uh, I live in the Chelsea. Oh. I love art. I used to be actually in art business before tech. <laughs> oh. So I'm, I, I'm happy to be surrounded by amazing galleries and, and so much inspiration around mm-hmm. the corner. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every time I go back to New York City, I drag my husband to the Guggenheim because that's my absolute favorite museum. Maybe in the world. I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to beat the Guggenheim. So we would love to just dive right into remote work because we know so many of you listeners out there um, are asking about it and, you know, very interested in how to get a remote job. But mm-hmm. before we do that, we're going to bitch about something totally different. 
which is hair. Hair. This is my this is my bitch of choice this week, and um, I have so many thoughts about hair and the Go workplace. Go for it, Anne. Oh my gosh. Well, I think it is pretty. It's been widely discussed as of late, especially when we're talking about, uh, you know, through the lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion, that women are expected to do certain things with their hair. And that can change depending on if you're a white woman or a black woman or, you know, um, you know, you know, have like religious um, obligations that relate to your hair. So there are like all these expectations um, put on us personally and professionally um, about our hair. And as someone who has a lot of hair (laughs) and um, I don't know, I just, I feel like it is, it's, it's just, it's like an added burden um, on women professionally to like have to do something like you're expected to do something with your hair, right? Ladies. I mean, that's like a fair thing to say. Like we can't just show up like with our normal hair without like doing something to it to make it acceptable for work. This is Um, very true. And I actually just, you just reminded me that today I was um, uh, at a meeting with somebody, a man, and their hair was sticking up all over the place. (laughs) And right. Like, I mean, mine does if I don't notice, but I certainly feel like a man just wouldn't necessarily notice that or think of it twice. Whereas women, I feel like we do, like you said, we feel like we're expected to have it a certain way and have it tame and like put together. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, I think fair. put together, I think is a good, is a good way to say it. And listeners can't see me, but I have my signature messy bun. And when I say messy bun, I don't mean messy in that like really cultured, like ballet way where it's cute. No, it's just a fucking mess. Um, but that's like, that's how I do my hair. And like, that's what's comfortable. And I have literally shown up in interviews. And if you're not cool with the messy bun, like I can't work for you because I'm not doing anything to my hair to make you happy. So I have, I've been in business meetings and met with like high ranking officials with this very same bun that you all cannot see, but that Marcel is very familiar with. And, um, I'm just like, you know what? I'm 45, like, fuck it. Like either accept the bun or, you know, fire me, whatever you got to do. But I'm not, I'm not changing my hair. I'm not doing my hair anymore. I've got real work to do guys. You do not want me to spend an hour on my hair when I could be like actually doing real fucking work. So that's the trade-off. There you go. (laughs) Accept the bun or go home. That's the final word. Big bun, go big bun or go. Yeah, I just recently had a conversation with my colleague about the benefits of remote work. And she told me that the benefit she's seeing is that she can wear a mask on the hair during the meeting and nobody would ever know because it's a Zoom call and whatever works. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, the benefit of remote work is for me has always been you don't have to wear real pants. And that's (laughs) like the number. And I can show up. Yeah. Or heels. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I wanted to complain about that because I don't think it's fair. And I don't think, I think most women are not going to be like me and just say, fuck you. I'm doing, I'm going to show up with my hair the way it is, take it or leave it. 
Um, and most people don't have that luxury. Be that direct. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, it's just honesty. I feel like I'm just being honest. Like this is this is my authentic self for real. So <laughs> we talk which about is what yeah, which is what this podcast is about. Yes. So you're allowed to be your authentic self. Yep. But it does remind me too when we just went to a gala last weekend, and all these women right are texting like that they got their hair done or right their nails or their eyebrows and men don't have to do that. Right. I mean, with very, some exceptions, I think some would actually go maybe get a shave or something, especially if you're in a big city, but nine times out of 10, that's not going to happen. So why do we have to spend all this extra time to your point when we could be doing other things, right? Like important things. Exactly. My nails are not important. I promise you. I'm with you. So that said, since we've been talking about the conveniences of remote work, I would love to dive into the subject um, because I know that something we've been seeing, Ilma, in a lot of job descriptions that clients are seeing, asking us about or sending us, they're looking a little bit different these days. And a lot of them don't even say that you need a certain amount of education or a certain amount of years of work experience. Can you talk to us a little bit about like from your perspective as a company that hires only remote workers, how you do that and kind of how that is evolving? Mm -hmm. Sure. <clears throat> so just because we've been doing that for years, so we had the luxury to experiment and see what works for us. Uh, so I think that's like, our story might be suitable for some, but maybe not for others. Um, in our case, when we started uh, hiring internationally, uh, the biggest issue was that the CVs, the, the normal one, uh, doesn't say much because I don't know the names of the workplaces. I don't know these colleges. I don't know if it's good or bad. I can't get a recommendation because somebody is based in Philippines or Brazil. So... Uh, at the same time, you know, eight years ago, it was really exotic to hire internationally and allow people to work remotely. Like in our case, it's not just remotely, it's actually work from anywhere. So during that time, they can actually travel and change places, locations and so on. So it was very, you know, we would get like hundreds and hundreds of these CVs and we had no idea, no reference point. Like, how do you choose who's the best one? There's not like no way to have all these interviews. Um, and then we decided that um, we should go backwards and think what we need and how to get that information. And uh, until now, we are using, um, we are asking questions. So there's like application form that you have to fill in as, uh, answering our questions. Why you want to apply? Why us? Have you ever done remote, like, remote work you know, before? Right now, obviously everybody says yes, but before it was really uh, <laughs> not that popular. Um, the reason why we're doing it is that some of the questions required to do some homework, meaning they need to check our website to see what we're doing, what kind of values we have. And we don't want them only to do the homework. The main thing is that we're really open-minded about our culture, who we are, how we work. And I think that's, you know, 
them making a choice if they want, actually want to go extra mile and put extra words uh, in order to apply for us. Uh, maybe we're not the right fit for them. Maybe they, they should go so, some other place. Um, another thing is that we are seeing how they write, working. Uh, our team is based on 35 countries in 14 different time zones, right? Wow. So most of our communication is asynchronous and it means writing. So we do want to get the people who are able to write, who can do that properly. Uh, at the same time, I think writing is the most undervalued skill I don't know why, but the whole hiring process usually is based on interviews. Even though you are hiring a developer and developer is actually writing a code. So I think there's no way for you to write without thinking. And this is how you can actually see how people think. And I think another benefit is that this is how we save a lot of time. We, it's not an interview. We start with reading the applications we see the, the answers, we see the motivation behind it. Um, and I think it's much more easier to make a choice when you actually hear the story instead of just see all the positions they've been, um, all the experience that they had before that is maybe not super relevant to us. And I think that's actually very similar to what um, colleges in, in the United States are doing, right? You do have to write an essay where you show your passion. Right. No, and I think that makes a lot of sense because then you're choosing people who have the potential to do the work that you need them to do based on, not based on what they've done in the past, but based on what they're capable of doing in the future. So I like that that, that seems like a more, that's more perspective forward looking than it is backward looking. And I also really like it because you, I mean, you're primarily hiring for tech positions, correct? Like, you know, we do have like a lot of marketing people, a lot of support sure. people. So like really very different. Uh, but I think everybody needs to be able to write and, you know, to communicate clearly and to be passionate, you know, about something or motivated at least because... And that's what much I can do to motivate them. <laughs> yes. And I, that's what I love about it because even though, I mean, I guess, yes, not every position's tech, what I should have said is, you know, you're in the tech space as a company overall. Yes. And so that's kind of unusual, right. For a tech company to ask for those skills, like communication and writing skills. But of course that's like core to what we do in our work and, both Anna and I, I mean, I've always been a writer and studied communications. Like those are so important to us. And so I love that that's like the first thing that you check, right? Is do you have that and do what motivates you and what are you passionate about? Because at the end of the day, right, the what's more important is that you can train somebody, but that you have the right people with the right soft skills. Exactly. Yeah. So thank I think you we for should being rename. company. Yeah, no, it's great. I, I love to hear like this type of innovation is happening and you have been doing it. Like you're really like the OG of remote work, right? Like you were doing it before it was cool. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we should, Marcel, this reminds me every time we say soft skills, I, I feel like we should just like make a command decision and just rename that because that is bullshit. Number one. 
communication is not a soft skill. It's like a fucking necessity. So let's call think, it a necessity. Yeah. Let's, I think, yeah, I think we should come up with something catchy. We'll work on that. Yeah. Like I, human I totally agree. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just when you see soft, it means like, it's like whatever. I mean, almost like everyone could do that, but it's, it's not true. And I think, um, yeah. And we, we need to talk more about, and we have to remember that. Yeah. yeah. Because like words matter and um, of course. the way that we talk about things, it, you know, affects the way that we think about them. And if we say soft skills, it diminishes the the complexity and the, and the skill set, and, you know, all of that stuff. I agree with you. Maybe it should be something more like strategic skills Ooh. or something along those lines, because I was actually recently talking to the CEO of a nonprofit. And um, she was saying that they call people that they bring on to do like nonprofit consulting skilled volunteers. And I've always heard of it as strategic volunteers because otherwise it sounds like skilled versus unskilled, right? Which mm. is the same thing like soft, as you said, it almost sounds like it's not important. So I like the word strategic a little bit better, but we'll we'll work on that some more. Yeah, um, no, I love I'm willing to, that's like, that's a good working name. Well, that's our placeholder for now. Approved. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, so tell us, Oma, how do you, like, are there, when you're sort of assessing people, whether you're going to bring them on or not, um, are there other skills like that people should be aware of? or even specific to being say in the tech industry. Cause so many people now realize like those are, you know, those are companies that are usually doing well in sort of the future. And a lot of people wonder, well, how can I pivot and get into that? So even if it is like for a different role, like marketing or customer service or project management, are there like particular things you look for? Or is it, it is it like more like a university that's like, we just want this diverse group of people who are going to bring on board. Mm -hmm. uh, so we begin with this writing kind of, you know, not essay, but like answering the questions in writing, right? So uh, I think what we're looking for the most is motivation and that people, they're not just unemployed, but they're actually very intentional in searching for a workplace that suits them. Um, uh, another thing about us is that because we are based in so many countries, you have to be aware how international we are and that we are, you know, we, we like sometimes it's really hard to make a call because somebody's sleeping in New Zealand right now. So it means that obviously when you work remotely and especially in distributed team, uh, you have to be really good at, in self-management. Uh, time management, I don't know. And this is why we do need motivation because we don't see these people every single time and there's no way to micromanage. If, like, uh, so, but later on we do like uh, the next stage, the second one is we check the skills uh, and it depends on the position that they're in. Um, the last thing, the last stage that we're doing is interviews. So at the end, we have only two or three people left and only then we're doing interviews. And the reason why we're doing it is because I think when we have a call and we see a human face, and if somebody's smiling back at me, 
quite often I become really biased because I just like the energy, I like the person and all the stuff. So this is why we decided that reading and writing is way more objective. And we kind of, we leave the chemistry at the end where we know that they are motivated, they really have the skills we're looking for. And then we're gonna just select the one that we like the most, right? And I think that's the way we kind of save a lot of time for all the, you know, all the participants in general. Yeah, and I it's something that never really occurred to me, but you're right. It's it is so hard to assess because, for example, we introduced like a sample writing exercise, but it comes after the interview. But now I'm almost rethinking this because what you said is so true. Like somebody, some people are very good at just wowing people in person, yeah. but when it comes to the actual work, it's not so much. Um I mean. Yeah, I think it depends on the position. If it's a salesperson, you know, obviously maybe you want to, you know, meet them before or like if it's, a, I don't know, a journalist or like somebody working in, I don't know, film industry, right? I mean, it depends. But I think it's just strange that we are so much still in the interviews, um, not actually even that we're thinking that it can be done differently. And maybe there's no reason for all the managers to, to ask the same questions over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that yes. I think that's super true, and it's it's not respectful of people's time either. Um, but I'm thinking, I have applied for a lot of remote positions um, that are writing or editing based, and I have seen the trend of you know here's this editing exercise, you know, do this first. That's like the first step of the process, and then. If they like your work, then you get passed on maybe for an interview over Zoom or whatever. But I I do think that that's like dual purpose, right, Marcel? And the reason that we do it at Career Valet is because you want to make sure that the work is something that that person wants to do. Um, And so it's, you know, it's a good way to see like, like if I hated, if I hate the exercise that I've been given, if it's just a burden, then I probably don't want that job and have to do that shit all day long. So I think it's helpful both ways. Yeah, I think it's just, this is why I think companies should be really open and clear, you know, what to expect and why you want to apply. And if it's actually a right place, you know, you have to have like more context to how they are working and maybe even, I don't know, like, but I think it's just, yeah. It's a combination at the same time. I think when you hire remotely, obviously you can rethink and experiment um, with with the process. What other things do you think people should be aware of? You know, because I also, you know, in terms of like working for such a remote company that's so distributed across the globe, right? So because we, I think sometimes people think, oh, it's going to be easy or right. Like nobody's watching me. I can just work when I want to, like, I'm just going to go live wherever I want. It's going to be so simple. But of course, as you know, I mean, you've lived in a lot of places just like me and Anne. it's not that easy to set up in another country. It's not that easy to work alone by yourself and maybe sometimes meet up with your team somewhere in the world. Um, as I know you all do, but how do you like, 
if you were to talk to somebody, right, who says, how do I know if remote work or work from anywhere is right for me? What, what would you say? I think right now it's easy because everybody had a chance to experiment, right? We all spent one year in <laughs> at house, you know. So I think before it was much more hard because some people would say, I, I, I feel I could do that. <laughs> but we would never hire somebody that just has a feeling. <laughs> we would always want to, to see a proof that they actually did it before because uh, it is a bit different mindset, you know, because... Um, uh, nobody saying what to do or they're saying it only, you know, once in a while, right? Um, but at the same time, uh, you see the result, you know? So I think it's even harder to fake work because in, in the office, you can run around with the meetings. But if it's a distributed team, usually you have as few meetings as possible. In our case, we're having one meeting in a week. All other time, I expect people to work <laughs> and expect to see the results, right? And even like standard meetings, they, they are not meetings. We have just a Slack bot reminding us to say what you have been working you know, on today, what you're going to be doing to tomorrow, if you need any help. And this is how our small teams kind of have these stand-up bot <laughs> uh kind of meetings but they are synchronous and everybody's you know you know fit, uh, filling it in on their own time uh so i think it's tricky uh, because it's not about being busy but i think it's more about actually showing the results um yeah and i think it's it's it's, it's harder to fake you know work yeah this i mean honestly this should be every workplace you should be results oriented, right? I, I, I think that's why remote work so appealed to me because it didn't matter when I worked, how long I worked, I could be as efficient as I wanted without being uh, penalized, right? And as long as the work I was doing was great, then I was rewarded for that, for the results of my efforts. And how I got there didn't matter. Um, that is like the opposite of working in a big law firm, which I did, where the only thing that mattered was, were you there in the office before the partners came in? And were you still there in the office when they left? And literally, like anything else, like you could fuck up anything else, but those, those were the, that was the unspoken rule that you could not fuck up. And I just, so I didn't do well at my law firm because I thought that was ridiculous. I preferred to come in at 5 a.m. so that I could leave at 5 p.m. and go home and have dinner at a reasonable hour. But, you know, my colleagues would come in at 10.30 or 11 and then go out to lunch, you know, at 2 and then, you know, be in the office until 10 p.m. But they look like they were working really hard. I guarantee they were not. But it certainly looked that way. And there's so many industries like that. I mean, mm -hmm. we talk about government a lot because of our <laughs> diplomatic affiliation, but that's a huge problem there. And one reason I do not work there anymore, but also, you know, I mean, like investment banking has a similar culture. A lot of financial services investment, I mean, banking sector is like that. Um, and I think even though things have become more flexible, a lot of these places still operate in that way, which is very unfortunate. I'm so glad you mentioned the meetings thing, Ilma, because 
I think just a few episodes ago, we, that was our weekly bitch was meetings and how much we hate meetings. And, um, I do, we, you know, we agree, like we have, I mean, I have weekly meeting with my senior writer, but then we meet as a team every two weeks because that's more for some training and just getting to know each other better and connecting, right. And sort of relationship building more than it's about work because you could, like you said, you can take care of that on so many platforms now, like Slack and others, you don't need to meet face to face. And these people, the people that we see as clients and even friends who are the most burned out are the ones that are spending 12 hours in meetings a day on zoom or even in person or a mix. And it's crazy. It's just crazy to me. People are still operating that way. It's too much. I mean, I love people, but I don't love people that much. You know, I need some like, I think someone once told me like, you need to build in time in your day to just think about stuff, not have any particular thing on your agenda, but just have space to be able to strategize or daydream or like have these like empty moments in your workday where there's like availability in your brain for new thoughts to occur. And you can't do that if you're constantly in a fucking meeting or like you're con you're so tightly scheduled during the day that you, all you have time to do is do the thing that's right in front of you. Yeah. We actually have a rule in our company that is written rule. <laughs> Another thing actually about the rules is when you write them down, this is when you know that everybody's on the same page because yeah. when the that's writing how we work. I was surprised we always had, always had like different assumptions of how we work. But one of the rules is that you do have to have two or three hours a day where you are like in a deep work in the flow, whatever you call it. This is when on Slack you you say that I'm going to be back at two, whatever. Uh, but you know that you won't be getting any notifications and so on. And I think, you know, it's not even like there's nothing so bad about the meetings themselves if there's a context and intention why you're doing the meeting. Because sometimes you do need to have a meeting. I think we just have too many meetings, gatherings, networkings, whatever, who are just, you know, done in the sake of to be done. <laughs> and there's like, um, we just waste our time. And I think this is why we feel really bad afterwards because we just spend so much time and there's like no result uh, just because um, there was no intention or no curation or, you know, you know, behind the event. So I think people are going to come and ask you to, consult with their organizations to make a better work environment. Because as I hear you talking, it's all the things that people want, right? Like as, you know, and as you were alluding to like having the space, but the fact that your company actually builds that in as a rule is not something that we see very often, at least from our clients um, at the mid to executive level, like that's not how their companies operate. And so and to me, you know, part of that too is like varying your routine. So if you have this, you have to have this deep work session each day, maybe you, right, like go to a coffee shop and work from there to like get yourself out of your routine and thinking differently and more creatively, or you walk like a different way when you're taking your dog for a walk so you can think and like see different things and get your senses going. 
but that's something that, you know, people that are so overscheduled don't have time for. Yeah, I feel like sometimes when I'm talking about it, and I mentioned that we have a bot, like a daily stand-up bot, right? Then we have these deep work, you know, sessions, whatever, right? When everybody's planning the day according to their time, right? I think the issue is that what do you do as a manager? If I open my Slack and my team is in deep work right now, and and then... Uh, at some point, I see what they've been doing on. They, somebody asked for help, but another person replied saying, I'm going to help you tomorrow. As a manager, you are just watching. And I think at some point, this is where we understand that we need less of the management, more, but more of the leadership. And leadership is being actually available when it's needed. Leadership is about creating a space where uh, you have to see the stuff that is maybe you have to notice what is like missing there or maybe there's like some, I don't know, um, human connection is missing or some, I mean, there's so many things that you can, you should be doing instead of having all the meetings and micromanaging. But this is kind of the soft part of management or leadership. <laughs> it's really uncomfortable because it's like less clear mm -hmm. what you are doing because even like, creating a team that is working effectively because they are different personalities because to do need a doer you want you need somebody that is more into data and what's reflect you need somebody that is, has a vision right even forming a team that way not just based on on positions it's a job but it's something that is a bit less clear and i think this is why a lot of managers are still going to their management nostalgia right <laughs> what you used to be in the factories right just checking uh the the boxes and and this is how you know that you did the job right <laughs> you're 100 right and we've talked about the difference between leading and managing um on this podcast and i do think it's an important distinction what i like you saying is that um and what i feel to be true having who you know, I have re people who report to me and it, it took me time to train myself out of thinking that meeting, talking to them, like creating a relationship with those, with people on my team, you know, asking them about their families, about their weekend. That is not a waste of time. That is part of my job. Um, and I think le good leaders realize that and incorporate time for that in the work that they do. But I think for people who are maybe unsure uh, or who haven't had the experience of truly leading a team, um, maybe that makes them feel uncomfortable and they're like, well, I'm not working if I'm not like, like actively doing something. And a meeting is like, you can schedule it. It's on a calendar. It looks like you're spending time doing it. But I, I agree. Like I, I, I really think that taking time to care about your workforce is part of the job. And it's valuable time spent. Yeah. And, you know, it starts with you. You have to be, you know, start being vulnerable mm -hmm. and share about your family, right? Yeah. No, and I think absolutely. Kind of, it changes, you know, because you kind of uh, maybe some of the managers, they don't want to do that because they used to be in the corner office with a very different looking table <laughs> and room. Yeah. No, I mean, you have, you absolutely. And I, it's, it's just like parenting. I do this with my kids. You know, you you demonstrate the behavior you want to see in others. 
And so I do, you know, if I'm having a terrible morning, like I will tell my team, like, I, I'm not feeling it this morning, guys, we're like, I'm going to take a few hours and just like, you know, go outside in my garden. Um, that's where I'll be. And by doing that, that makes it okay for them to do it. Right. And so you're, 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 you're actively showing people, you know, this is, this is how it should be. This is, this is okay for you to do because I'm going to do it. And, you know, if I'm doing it, then, you know, maybe, you know, think about it. (laughs) Yeah. And we, this is great. I love that this conversation went this way because we've heard a lot from leaders saying, well, I told the team they don't need to respond to my emails on the weekend, but that's when I want to send them. Or I told my team to, you know, take a walk at lunch. But as you said, you both said, if you're not doing it and modeling that behavior, then your team is not going to feel comfortable doing that. And the only way to make actual change happen in your organization is to do that. Yeah. Another thing is that uh, I think we do have to understand that we are different. Somebody is going to be going to the garden. Somebody's going to be reading to get inspiration and so on. Uh, So what we do, and I think that's really good for the managers to begin with as a task, is to write a user manual, how to work with me. And I think quite often we don't even think how we want to work. Do we like the email? Like, do you want, you know, to be included if it, if you forwarded the email? Do you want to use Slack? Do you want to have a call when you want somebody to call you? So I think being like starting with yourself and actually setting up, you know, maybe some boundaries and even being clear with your team, what to expect from you. I think, especially for the new team, team members, it's something that is really, really valuable because just because somebody's CEO doesn't mean that, they're doing one way or another one. And I think even like setting up expectations, what is a great job for me or what I expect you to, you know, which matters you should bring me and which ones you have to, you know, take care of yourself. I think that's really a good task to start with yourself and share it with the family, with the family, with the team. (laughs) And I think with the family as well, right? Um, Because when I did it first, I didn't realize that some of my behavior was kind of a bit strange for others because I would write a Slack message just because I got an idea on Saturday evening. And I would do that just because I had an idea that I want to share. I didn't expect anyone to reply or to say something about it. But people were stressed out because it's Saturday evening and they don't know if they have to, you know, it's out of nowhere. <laughs> the idea is kind of a crazy one. Like, do we have to do a research about it or what? Like, so I think it's, you know, starting with clear communication, starting with uh, from the leadership. I think it's really, really important uh, because, uh, yeah, because I, I think there's a lot of confusion just because we, have these very different expectations, what even remote work is and how mm-hmm. we work as a remote company. I think every company, every organization is really different and it's it's good to go back and write down, not to say, because you might say one thing to one person, you might say another thing to another person. And when they meet, they might really get confused and you know, think of a lot of different stories around it. So I think I really like writing because if you change something in writing, it's even easier to to say that, you know what, we used to do that. Right now we are going for work for 
you know, for walk for one hour. <laughs> I love this concept of user manual um, because, you know, often we'll tell people, find out what your boss's communication style is or preference. How do they like to communicate? Phone, in-person, email, reports. But that's why I was wondering, I was curious, is this shared? Like everybody has a user manual and they share it with all the people they're working with? So uh, we ask for all the managers and team leads to have one. Uh, we actually, like, this is something that I have on my signature, even, like, which is, you can go to the public play, place to see that. Uh, it's something that we add in our um, job ad as well. Because if you are going to work for that team with that leader, I think it's a good information to understand that, you know, maybe it's not the right way of work or whatever communication for you. Right. So uh, I think the more upfront and clear we are, the better and easier it's to find the right fit. Yeah. And I, I, I love like clear written rules and kind of like rules of engagement. Right. Because then there's, there's no ambiguity. You're not, you shouldn't have your, the people that report to you shouldn't have to read your mind. And I think it is unfair to expect that. I, I honestly, I think it's unfair to say like, it's your job to find out, you know, what your manager, how your manager likes to communicate, how they like this. No, that's their job to communicate that to you because otherwise they are setting you up for failure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. You put too much burden on the individual contributors, right? When the leadership is Right. Be and it's, the right thing. it's a power dynamic that makes that impossible in a lot of cases, right? It's impossible for the person with less power to make those types of changes. And I think, you know, we've had a podcast where at one point, you know, at some point you have to say like, this, this is just not a good fit. This organization is not working or it's toxic or whatever. Um, and you have to leave and go to a place that is, does have kind of clear, open, communications and transparency and good leadership and all of those good things that we want for all of you listeners. But a good company is hard to find. It is. It is. But keep looking. The right one is out there. Yes. As Ilma has shared with you, there are good companies out there. Sometimes people don't believe me when I say this, because they just go on and on about how toxic their job or last job was mm-hmm. and I'm like, really they're and they're so burned out. And I'm like, good companies do exist. You don't just read about them in the news. Like they actually exist. Your life could be better. You could have more balance. You know, you don't have to live to work. You can work to live. Um, and so this has been a great example for people of an actual, very successful company that is doing all the right things. I can't thank you enough for coming and joining us today and sharing your knowledge. Thank you so much. And tell us um, before we go, we want to share with the listeners how they can find you and your company. Um, So my company, one of them, it's called Mailer Light. uh, So mailerlight.com, the remote company is remotecompany.com. And my name is Ilma Tiki. You can find me on LinkedIn. Perfect. 
Well, we will make sure that all of that information is available for listeners in our show notes. Um, and Great. thank you so much for, for chatting with us. It was super fun. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. See you guys next time. Bye. The Career Bitches are eternally grateful to our producer, Joe Tropea at Hariko Bear Films, based in beautiful Baltimore City, for his bullshit-free feedback and constant support. We would also like to thank Micro Kingdom for their musical genius and providing our theme music. You can check out more of their extracognitive spiritual magnetism at microkingdom.com. A new episode of Career Bitches drops every Monday morning to start your work week. And you can listen to us bitch on demand on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever else you find your podcasts.